Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. The High Lord Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. It is the Monday postgame report where we look back at the weekend that was in both the National Football League and in college football. And we'll talk about the Chiefs and the Saints coming up in just a bit. Also go around the rest of the league and also look at the college football playoff as we know who the final four teams will be. We'll break it all down for you coming up in just a little while from right now. A reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every Monday and Thursday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. We'd love to hear from you there. Also on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live and Tyler Jones Media Group. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at TJ Media Group. Instagram, Jones underscore report and Tyler Jones Live is where you can find me there. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'm enjoying a couple days of vacation here before I move up to Omaha and start the new job in a couple weeks. And so I was in Branson over the weekend, got to watch this Chiefs-Saints game with a buddy of mine up in uh, Springfield. And uh, that was a cool experience to get to do that. And uh, now I'm back with the family in uh, the Tulsa area for this next week or so uh, before we uh, make that move up to uh, Omaha. So that is what's on my plate right now. Certainly enjoying this much-needed time off, but still doing this show, as well as uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We'll have a new episode of Let's Go Racing out coming up tomorrow, our uh, Christmas show. But certainly hope that uh, you are enjoying the holidays with your loved ones as uh, we get rolling here on uh, today's show. Let's start with the Chiefs and the Saints. The Chiefs pull off a close win on Sunday over New Orleans by a final score of 32-29. to that puts the Chiefs at 13-1 and on the season. The Saints drop their second straight, putting them at 10-4 and on the year. And if you recall on Thursday's show, at that time, we did not know if Drew Brees was going to play or not. All signs indicated that more than likely he was not going to play and that Taysom Hill was going to get the start again. But then Friday morning, the news comes out that Drew Brees was going to start and that they had been preparing for him to start that entire week. And look, Drew Brees was not ready to go. He clearly was not 100%. He wasn't even close to 100% on Sunday. But from Sean Payton's standpoint, that's your ace. That's your guy. And he's telling you that, hey, in the biggest game of the year so far, He's ready to go. He's ready to play. You kind of just got to trust him. And so I don't blame Sean Payton for playing Drew Brees here, but he clearly just wasn't all there for this Saints team. And their offense was very rusty in that first half. Um, You know, yes, the Chiefs' defense, it looks like that they came to play in that first half. But I also look at, I think a lot of it has to do with Drew Brees was just simply not ready to go. And that offense was not clicking. Um, you know, the big key we talked about with Diana, with uh, Diana Rossini on uh, last week's show, was that the Chiefs really needed to slow down Alvin Kamara. Um, that the Chiefs have struggled stopping the run. Kamara is one of the better running backs in the league. They need to do what they can to stop Kamara. And the Saints, because they were playing from behind for most of this game, got away from the run game in Alvin Kamara. Kamara only carried the ball 11 times for 54 yards. That's not a bad statistic, but 
he's got to have more touches than that. Now he had three catches for 40 yards and a receiving touchdown. But if the Saints were going to win this game, Kamara needed to have at least 20 carries on the ground. But because the Saints were playing from behind almost the entire game, then there was not opportunities for them to run the football. So it was good on the Chiefs' defense to start as well as they did because it forced the Saints with an injured Drew Brees to throw the football and Brees to struggle throwing the football. 13 of 30, 15 of 34, 234 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Brees was just not on his A game um, this uh, past Sunday. And, you know, the, the Chiefs, the pressure still was not where you would have liked it to be. They only had one sack. That was from Legereus Sneed. And the rookie played phenomenal. He was the best player on the Chiefs defense on Sunday. He had an interception and a sack. He was just flying all over the place. He is going to be a star in this league. He was a problem for the New Orleans Saints to deal with. Um, But the Chiefs were effective in other ways. Sure, they weren't getting the pressure they would have liked. You know, how much money are you paying Frank Clark to get the lack of production that he's been at. I, I looked this up. It's around $26 million to have about four sacks this year. That's You, you talk about a waste of money. Uh, they're not getting the production that they need to out of Frank Clark. That's very obvious um, if it wasn't already. Tyrod Matthew, he only had two tackles, but he did things that, weren't sh- that didn't show up on paper. He was all over the field. He was reading Breeze's eyes. Uh, directing traffic on that defense. Uh, He played very well. Um, Where I look at offensively for this Chiefs team, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the numbers maybe don't jump at you, you know, 26 of 47, 254 yards and three touchdowns. But Mahomes was making plays. This is what makes Mahomes special among so many things that make him special. But in particular, this past Sunday, Patrick Mahomes, really, if if they needed him to step up, to make a play, he was making those plays. He was converting those third downs and getting his team out of pressure situations of sorts. Um, Mahomes' decision-making in crunch time, when it mattered most, when they needed him to make a big play of some sorts, to connect on a third down, whatever it may be. Mahomes was fantastic on Sunday. And, and that's what the stats sheet doesn't necessarily show. Sure, it wasn't Mahomes' best game of the season by any means, but in one of the biggest stages of the entire season. Um, and it, he never turned the football over, and he made plays in the big moments. And that's what you you strive for. He took care of the football and he made plays. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we got good news that his uh, x-rays were negative and that uh, Clyde should be back for the postseason. I think we all had a scare there at the end of the game. Uh, but the run game for the Chiefs, this was one of the better running games we've seen from the Chiefs all season long. Clyde was fantastic. Um, you know, coming back to New Orleans where he won a national championship with LSU, he had 14 carries, 79 yards, 5.6 yards in the ground. Le'Veon Bell was solid, 15 carries, 52, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Mahomes had 37 yards rushing. I don't think New Orleans was ready for that Chiefs running game. And, and this is something you have to think about with the Chiefs, is 
that, you know, some of the talking heads don't understand nationally about this Kansas City Chiefs team is that there's so many things you have to account for with the Chiefs that, okay, maybe they're not winning every game by 14 um, like you would like them to. But they have won in so many different ways in 2020, this Chiefs team has. They have won where they've needed to score 40 points. And the offense was incredible in the passing game. 400 you know, to 500 yards passing. They've done that before. And they're still capable of that last time I checked. Um, they've run the ball for over 200 yards. And had over 40 carries and done that. They've had the balancing act approach. And Sunday, we saw more of that balancing act. We've seen the Chiefs dominate in the short passing game, the long passing game. The Chiefs can win about any way possible. Whatever is the best matchup for them to take advantage of, Andy Reid's going to have a plan and come up with it. And what did they say that they needed to do against New Orleans? And they executed it perfectly. A balanced offense running and passing the football, they did just that. Um, This team ran the ball, folks, close to 40 times on Sunday Um, and still had 47 passes through the air. It was a balancing act, and it worked. So your national media guys may sit there, well, the Chiefs aren't winning by these big margins. You know, I'm worried they're going to slip up, you know, um... You know, when's that going to happen? They're barely beating these teams. What they're doing, they're playing championship football, winning in a multitude of ways. That's what makes this team special right now, is how they're winning. They can win in a number of ways. And I still feel, and I've been saying this all season long, and I feel like it's a good time to say this again, there's still something in the tank. The Chiefs aren't necessarily playing down to their competition. What the Chiefs are doing is they do have something they're holding back. And that 300 plays playbook that that Andy Reid and company has, there's still something there. There's still something that they're holding for this postseason when they need it, when they need to do so. When they play some of these you know, more upper echelon teams of sorts, we've seen it this year, they've shown more that they've you know, pulled some stuff out of the bag. We saw Patrick Mahomes running the option again this week. We've only seen that a couple times this year. Every week when they take on a higher level of opponent, we see just a little bit more. And there's still a lot more for this team to show. So that's where I look at with this Chiefs team. They're 13-1, the best team in football. We still haven't seen them play to their full potential yet. And they can win in a multitude of ways. If you're a Chiefs fan, you have to be more than happy, more than thrilled with where this team's at right now. They're going to be fine. They're going to be okay. And down the stretch, here's what you got going forward. It's the Falcons and the Chargers. That's it. Now, the Falcons are playing better football than they did the beginning of the year. And the Chargers have been a hot mess. There's no reason to think the Chiefs won't be 15-1 and when it's all said and done. The only way... The only way I see the Chiefs not being 15-1 and one is if they already have home field advantage locked up after Week 16 and they say, you know what, we don't need to play our guys in Week 17. Patrick Mahomes, you can have the day off. We'll play everyone else. 
play the backups, and somehow the Chargers win. Otherwise, the Chiefs are looking at a 15-1 season at this point in time after that win over the Saints. Really good performance, and the Chiefs are in great position going forward. Let's look back at the rest of the National Football League this weekend. Starting back on Thursday night football, the Chargers beat the, the uh, Raiders 30-27 to in New Orleans. And that game went to overtime. Boy, was that an ugly football game. Um, I hope you had better things to do on Thursday night. Maybe you're watching watching uh, Kansas take down Texas Tech in what was a really good college basketball game. Um, but the Chargers are fading. They are falling hard fast. This team looked like a playoff lock just a couple weeks ago. Now they're at 500. This is more so the Raiders team that we thought they were at the beginning of the season. And that defense continues to struggle. Um, Chargers at 5-9. and nine. I still expect Anthony Lynn to be fired at the end of the year. After that effort they had against New England, there's just no excuse. Um, Herbert's going to be right up there for Rookie of the Year discussions. Um, he played well. I know that Marcus Mariota got some time for the Raiders in that game. Uh, Darren Waller was phenomenal. But the Raiders are in trouble, folks. Um, I'd be very concerned if I'm a Raider fan right now when it comes to this playoff hunt because they have just hit a wall. The Bills with a dominating win over the Denver Broncos, 48-19. Josh Allen was phenomenal with 360 yards passing. Diggs was great, 147 yards receiving. What have we been telling you the last couple weeks? The Bills are hitting their stride. They are playing fantastic football. Diana on the show Last week said she thinks the Bills are the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC right now. Based on the numbers, looks like she's right. 11-3, and three, Josh Allen is playing incredible football. That defense is getting better. Uh, Denver had no answer for Buffalo, offensively or defensively. They just played great, and that's been what uh, Buffalo ha- is the last few weeks. Incredible. I like what I've seen from the Bills. Big-time win over Denver. 48-19, 11 wins in an AFC East Division title for the Buffalo Bills. The Packers with the 24-16 win over the Panthers wasn't too flashy, but it was good enough. Aaron Jones was good on the ground. And one of the things I like about this Packers team, like we talked about with the Chiefs, is that they can win in multiple ways as well. Whether it's Aaron Jones running the football, Aaron Rodgers having a big day of sorts, um... You know, you had two touchdown passes from Rodgers and still close to 150 yards for Aaron Jones. They have a balance there in Green Bay that makes them dangerous, potentially the most dangerous team in the NFC. The Tampa Bay Bucks, man, what does Coach Bo tell us every week in our pick segment, guys, about the Atlanta Falcons? Matt Ryan will do Matt Ryan things, and that's exactly what we saw from the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan did Matt Ryan things again as they choked, they fell apart down the stretch, and the Bucks with Tom Brady get, get it done. Brady was fantastic, 31-45, 390 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Bucks are now 9-5. and five. They're going to make the postseason, and, you know, that was big. This team, there's been rumors about the Bucks that are there issues going on behind the scenes between Brady and Bruce Arians? Are they not clicking like they would have liked? Those come from behind wins. That unites a team. That brings you together. And 
although the Falcons are not that good of a football team, 4-10, and ten, might I add you, that could be the difference in the Bucs taking that next step and getting on track to where they need to be to be a Super Bowl contender of having that uniting win of sorts that gets everybody on the same page. That could be big for this Bucks team of what they did to have that comeback win against Atlanta uh, was just great for those guys. Cowboys beat the Niners 41-33. Andy Dalton was great uh, in that win against uh, San Francisco. Both teams now at 5-9 and nine on the season. CeeDee Lamb had a 47-yard onside kick return touchdown. We don't hardly see those happen too often. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the Cowboys' offense has come to life of some sorts. Andy Dalton, all of a sudden, looks like he could be a valuable trade uh, outlet of some sorts for somebody. Uh, would not be surprised if somebody makes doubtless a considerable offer to bring in Andy Dalton because he's looked like the last couple of weeks a legit NFL starting quarterback. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at five and nine, you know, that offense is good. I think that's where you look at for Dallas next year. However, you work things out with Dak Prescott, you know, your offense is going to be okay. You got to build on that defense as you head towards the off season there. Uh, as far as that goes, Tennessee with another big time win over the Detroit lions, 46 to 25. Tannehill was great. Three touchdowns, 273 yards, Derrick Henry, 24 carries, 142 yards, and one touchdown. Titans are for real, folks. Uh, 10-4 and four on the season now. They are looking really, really good. Um, if I had to power rank right now, I would say that the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Buffalo's number two, and I'd put Tennessee right there number three. Um, that's where I look at. As far as the Chiefs' biggest threats, concerns, um, I think it's Tennessee and I think it's uh, Buffalo that are going to be their biggest challengers. The Titans, much like what if we talked about, what's been kind of the theme of this show today, having balance, being able to win in multiple ways. They have one of the best running backs in football in Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's playing the best football of his career. They have that balance that everyone's looking for. The Colts with the win over the Texans 27-20. Colts are 10-4 and now. Um, Jonathan Taylor was good running the football. Uh, you know, the Colts at 10 and 4. What I look at with this team is everything, and I know that I said on last week's show, we have to give the Colts some credit. And, and we do. Um, much deserved for the overachievement that they've had. But that's the key, is overachievement. I feel like eventually everything is going to catch up with that Colts team. Um, whether that be in a playoff game or something like that in that opening round, I don't see the Colts getting past that wild card round when it's all said and done. This team, uh, credit where credit's due to be where they're at right now, but I'm still not buying what Indianapolis is doing at this point. The Dolphins with the win over the Patriots, 22-12. to And going into this game, we told you that, hey, watch out for what Bill Belichick does against young quarterbacks. That, yes, the Dolphins are favored. Yes, they need to win this game. But this is a challenge going up against Belichick the way that he has faced some of these younger quarterbacks this year. But Brian Flores and company, they withstood the challenge. Tua had two touchdown runs. Um, you know, they were great on the ground with uh, a, a mid, uh, with... 122 yards and, and a touchdown that he had. Their defense played well. 
Dolphins at 9-5. and five. Great job by Brian Flores and company to continue what they've done this year. That's a big-time win for them uh, to hold New England to 12 points. New England will not make the playoffs for the first time since 2008. They're 6-8 and eight on the year. But what have we told you about New England this year? All those guys they had opt out and such, they're, they, Bill, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. He's holding something back. He knows that this year's a wash anyway. They'll be back next year. They'll be good again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, things are going to be fine in New England. Uh, just a, a rough year this year, but nonetheless, uh, they'll be back. They always come back. The Bears beat the Vikings 33-27. to And if you're a Bears fan, you're almost sick to your stomach about what's been going on with the Bears. My buddy Nick Cousin, who we've heard from time to time on this show, uh, does TV in Fargo, North Dakota, and he's a big Bears fan and everything, said that you know, Mitch Trubisky is, uh, is like somebody in a toxic relationship. That, you know, you bring him in, everything's bad, he gets benched, and now he's doing just enough to keep the interest of the folks in Chicago to potentially keep him and keep that job next year. Because he has played a lot better since he came back from getting benched. We have seen a different Mitch Trubisky. And Chicago's probably still going to be dumb enough to bring back Trubisky. Um, It's fool's gold. Don't get carried away with what we've seen from Trubisky the last couple weeks. But something tells me, the way that Chicago manages their quarterbacks and makes these decisions, then Mitch is going to be back at Chicago next year. I hope for Bears fans' sake that he's not, that he's gone, but something tells me that Mitch, there's a chance, there's a good chance he comes back. I hope I'm wrong, but man, uh, that one just uh, just says Bears everything about that, about the idea of keeping Trubisky. The Seahawks beat Washington 20-15. to The story of this game was, uh, more than anything, was the cameras Fox used. They're using like 8K cameras in the end zone. That was fabulous. Those touchdowns looked like movies of what what, uh, Fox put together. More of that, please. Um, Haskins, his first game starting since he got benched. He played fine. He had two picks, though. Um, They competed with uh, Seattle. Seattle right now, you know, that team, their defense is so bad. Um... I'm looking at this Seattle bunch, folks, and as far as contenders in the NFC goes, sell the Seattle Seahawks. This team is not going to the Super Bowl. Um, Jamal Adams was a big upgrade for that defense. I get that. But they need a whole lot more help than Jamal Adams. Seattle's got some serious problems. Um, This was not a pretty win for this team. They have not played great football the last few weeks. Losing to the New York football giants a couple weeks ago? No thanks. Uh, I'm selling Seattle. Um, they got some serious problems there. I know they're 10-4, and four, but that team's not going anywhere. Uh, go ahead and sell all the stock while you can right now. The Ravens beat the Jags 40-14. to 14. Lamar Jackson, 17-22, 243 yards, three touchdowns. Another big day for Lamar. Now, folks, if Lamar can consistently throw the football down the field, which remains to be seen. Watch out for Baltimore. Don't give up on what the Ravens can do. They've kind of hit their stride the last couple weeks. It was a rocky regular season for this bunch. Now they're 9-5. and five. 
They, they just finished first in the AFC regular season last year. And this team's still very talented. They just got off to a bit of a rough start. Watch out for the Baltimore Ravens. This team might find themselves sneaking into the AFC title game. They very well could do this. Um, Baltimore, I would not sleep on. They're getting better. They're starting to get hot at the right time here. Meanwhile, for Jacksonville, with the Jets winning, we'll talk about that in just a second. If you're a Jags fan, you might not hate that you got blown out because all of a sudden the Jags are in position to get Trevor Lawrence now at 1-13. and So, with that being said, the Jets get the win over the Rams, 23-20, and they end their losing streak, which dated all the way back to December 29th of last year. And now... The Jags have the tiebreaker over the Jets for that number one pick overall. And it looks like they're in position to get Trevor Lawrence instead of the New York Jets at this point. And a lot of Jets fans were were mad as can be that they actually won this game, that they cost themselves their chance of getting Trevor Lawrence. I get that. I get the frustration. But these guys in the Jets, they don't know if they're going to be back next year. What are they supposed to do? Not win? Not try? In every athlete's DNA, you play to win the game, as former Jets coach Herman Edwards used to say. So, don't please don't be hard on the Jets for actually going out there and trying and winning a football game. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. When I look at this game, which baffles me is, how in the world did the Rams let this happen? The Rams have been great this year. Jared Goff is playing really well. The running game with Akers and some of these other guys by committee. They got a good receiving core. Of course, they got the best defensive player in all of football and Aaron Donald. How does this happen? How do you lose at home to the Jets is what doesn't get me. And down the stretch, we see McVay. He doesn't kick the field goal, decides to go for it. Passes on the tie and such. That didn't make any sense whatsoever. So... This Rams team that looked like a Super Bowl threat, I don't know now. I don't know what to think of this Rams team. This could be just a glitch of sorts. One game, you know, crap happens. Sure, that could be the case. But this would worry anybody. Losing to the Jets at home this late in the year. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That shouldn't happen. It's just inexcusable. Um, How about this? Uh, The Cardinals. Top the Eagles, 33-26. Boy, was this a fun game. Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts each go for over 400 yards. They were fantastic. The former Sooner quarterbacks each just put on a clinic. I mean, it was great to see what these guys did. Just some fun football between these two. And Lincoln Riley, I'm sure he sat back and watched this game at home and just had to be grinning ear to ear because he knows that he's about to have uh, top five recruiting classes for the next decade with uh, the way Baker Mayfield's been playing, too. We'll talk about him in just a second. But, uh, wow. Uh, eight and six. Cardinals move into, still competing for a playoff spot. The Eagles, I know they're at four, nine, and one. But now you have found a quarterback that is considerably better than Carson Wentz. And he doesn't hold on to the football like Carson Wentz did. So, yes, your offensive line still sucks. One of the worst offensive lines in the league, sure. 
But you have a guy that doesn't hold on to the football as much and that can escape pressure and run for first downs and uses his legs effectively here. Big upgrade. Now you have a spark of some sorts for next season with the Eagles, knowing that you have some improvement there. Go get him some linemen, please, Philly. Because you got some talent there. Now you got a quarterback. Go get some linemen. Help out Jalen Hurts. Cardinals 8-6. and six. They hit a wall there a couple weeks ago. Now they've rattled off a couple wins here the last few weeks. Maybe Arizona's getting back on track of sorts. Uh, but I liked what I saw from Murray, him, and DeAndre Hopkins. That has been a fantastic marriage this year between those two. Hopkins had 170 yards. He was phenomenal. The Cardinals... Um, I don't know if they can win a playoff game or not, but they can certainly make things interesting. Uh, they could. They are capable of beating almost anybody any given day. So that's a team I don't think is winning the NFC by any means. But based on the way that they play and their talent level, they could go in and win a playoff game. Maybe they're one they're not supposed to. They have that capability, that talent. Uh, credit where credit's due to... Cliff Kingsbury, because myself included, about everybody doubted, why on earth are you hiring Kingsbury? What is going on there? And he's done a really good job. They have overachieved to be 8-6 and six at this point. Last one for you, Sunday Night Football, Baker Mayfield, with a big-time performance against the New York Football Giants, close to 300 yards, two touchdowns, they only had five incompletions, only two incompletions, in the first half, the Browns' offense has taken up a whole nother level since Odell Beckham went down. They've been better without Odell. And Baker Mayfield is playing the best football of his NFL career right now. He is really clicking and really gelling. I love what I've seen from Baker Mayfield. Now, I'll say this. Selfishly, I know Baker's all grown up now and mature and everything, Selfishly, I was hoping he would go taunt Freddie Kitchens on the other side. Well, the Giants, you, you fall to 5-9. and nine, The Giants are done. Washington's pretty much got that division now. Um, but, folks, Cleveland, the defense, that was a... I know the Giants don't have much of an offense, especially without Daniel Jones. But that was considerably better than what they did against Baltimore. To hold the Giants to six points... For the offense to play as well as they did, that's a good win for the Browns on the road. 10-4 and four right now. They should be throwing a parade already for Baker Mayfield for what he's done for that Browns team. And, and Kevin Stefanski, man, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's had, what, three offensive coordinators, three or four since he's been in Cleveland. Stefanski's figured something out. And what is it? We've said it. All show long, I'll say it again, balance. They can run the football with the best one-two running back combo in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And now they throw the football well and actually give Baker Mayfield time to throw the football. They have balance. How you win in the National Football League is through balance. And they have it right now. It's, it's so fun to watch. I'm happy for Cleveland, happy for Baker Mayfield. They are really doing something special there. So there you have it. That's our look around the National Football League here on the Jones Report this week. Now, um, let's move on and talk some college football. The college football playoff is set. It will be 
Number one, Alabama taking on number four, Notre Dame. And, and what did I tell you on uh, this show last Monday? I said that the college football playoff um, should move the semifinal away from the Rose Bowl if they're not going to be able to host fans. Um, you know, the parents need to be able to see their their kids play and and, and do that. Um, at the very least, the parents and the families need to be there. And L.A. wasn't going to give them that opportunity. So now, Alabama-Notre Dame is going to be played in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. And I believe it's still going to be called the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl College Football Playoff Semifinal presented by Capital One. Something like that. And then... You're going to have, in the other game, the Sugar Bowl, Clemson versus Ohio State. Now, you may be saying to yourself, why is Alabama going to play in Arlington when they're the number one seed? Well, Arlington is going to allow about 18,000 fans. And the Sugar Bowl is only going to allow about 3,000. And so as the number one seed, Alabama wanted to have some of their fans there. More fans, more opportunity for them to be there. So they're going to put that playoff game there. So I like the move to Arlington. Allow more fans to be there. That's a win-win, I think, to move this game. Now, as far as the teams there, Alabama got a win over Florida, 52-46. to The offense was fantastic. Um, you know, if this was a Big 12 game, the mainstream media would be sitting there saying, oh, this is bad football you know, criticizing them. They don't play defense in the Big 12 and such. Um, that would be what would be said about this game. Um, the defense wasn't good. Alabama's defense has been kind of suspect this year. Go back to that old Miss game. Go look at this game. They've been up and down. So I do have some questions about Alabama's defense. But what I would point to is I don't think their defense is any worse than the other four teams there. Um, Alabama's offense is better than anybody. And their defense is right up there among the other three. The other three aren't that, you know, maybe spectacular defensively is what we're accustomed to seeing among elite football teams. So Alabama, to me, just because they gave up 46 points to Florida, I'm not concerned. This is still, without a doubt, the best team in the country. This is Alabama's playoff to lose. Those other three teams... um, you know, they're, they're just fighting for second, I think. This is still Alabama on another level, and then everyone else is a step below them. And, and Notre Dame, you lose to Clemson the way you did, 34-10. I mean, it was an ass-beating. Let's not beat the bush. It was. Uh, Notre Dame did not belong on the same field as Clemson. And it's amazing what happens. You get Trevor Lawrence back. And you got other guys back. It wasn't just Trevor Lawrence. They got other guys moved on from COVID and healthier and such and made a huge difference for this Clemson team. They were another team, and they were another team defensively than they were in this first meeting when the two got together earlier this year. So that was a a very good performance from Clemson. And I think Alabama's your number one team. Clemson's your number two team. Ohio State... This so-called eye test that Ohio State has passed from the experts, it's just ridiculous. I mean, they they were down for three quarters to Northwestern, an unathletic Northwestern team. 
You beat Indiana. Indiana by seven points. Another unathletic team. What is this eye test that Ohio State is passing? And Justin Fields, talented quarterback, don't get me wrong, but he is no Trevor Lawrence. I can tell you that right now. Ohio State, um, I think Clemson is going to deliver a, a, a pounding of some sorts. I don't think either one of these playoff games are going to be close. Alabama is significantly better than Notre Dame. Clemson is significantly better than Ohio State. Um, There is a wide gap in this playoff. And here's the deal. You know, Notre Dame exposed themselves as a fraud in that game against Clemson. Putting them at 10-1 on the year. Um, and we're still going to throw them in the playoff despite, you know, just getting their butts kicked. I know that Cincinnati, you know, beat a top 25 team in Tulsa by three points, game that was down to the wire. Coastal Carolina didn't get to play this last week in the Sun Belt Championship. That game was canceled and such. But, you know, if if whoever is going to get their butts kicked by Alabama anyway, why are we not giving the little guy a shot at all? You know... Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, both those guys were conference champions. Notre Dame had their chance to get a playoff spot, to sign, seal it, and deliver it against Clemson. And they laid a big egg. Just laid an egg. Did not belong on that field. Why not go ahead and give Coastal or Cincinnati a shot? They're undefeated. They did everything you asked of them. Coastal Carolina went out of their way to go get BYU added to their schedule. Cincinnati tried to do everything they can to add teams and such. What are these guys supposed to do? What's the path to the playoff? If if that's not it, what is? What do these guys have to do to get in the playoff? It's ridiculous. I feel for them. There's just no path of any kind. And Coastal gets stuck in the, the cure bowl? What's the cure bowl? Is that a disease that you have to cure? What is, what is the cure bowl? I feel for those guys that they're not even getting a chance. That it's the playoff privilege, the name brands that continue to get in this thing every year. And you know what? College football is my favorite sport. I've loved it since I was a kid growing up around it and everything. But we are hurting this sport by not giving those guys a chance. It's turning eyeballs off. We've had this playoff now since... 2015. Only 11 teams have made this playoff since then. And and you're trying to tell me that none of these other teams have to be better. And if you want to use the excuse of resume and such, Ohio State won six games this year. They played six games is all. I don't want to hear your resume argument. Somebody give a chance. Expand this thing, please. Um, Because it's just not fair. And people are losing interest. And and I'm tired of it. Why not give these guys a chance? Give these guys a shake. Um, You know, if we're going by definition of four best teams, um, I could make a case Oklahoma's better than Ohio State and Notre Dame. Okay, they have two losses, sure. Why don't we let Vegas decide then? If your whole idea is, well, we got to have the four best teams, not resumes or anything like that, 
I think Oklahoma would beat Ohio State and Notre Dame. I think they're better than both those teams. Vegas probably thinks so too. Let's just have Vegas decide then. Why even play the games? Why do we do that then? I mean, come on. Oklahoma looked great against Iowa State the other day. You know, beat a top six team in the country. They were up 24 points at one point. Why not Oklahoma then? If we're going to do this whole idea of who the best is, this subjective idea of who these best teams are, okay, let's go to loss Oklahoma. Why not? Um, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, whatever. Um, it's just frustrating. And it needs change. Um, and I don't know how we fix this system. As is, it's gonna have a, it's gonna have to create a mass overall of some sorts to get this system right, to get the playoff that we deserve and need to see. Uh, otherwise, this sport is gonna hurt. Um, look, I love college football, but this has not been a good year for the sport. It hasn't been. Um, the product out there has not been great overall, and now we're about to have a pretty crappy playoff. Um, the sport's in trouble, and we need to see some changes um, before we lose too many eyeballs as is. We need some help. And, and there's some bowl games that intrigue me. I'm excited to see that Oklahoma-Florida game, um, Oklahoma State-Miami, some of these others, but it doesn't move the needle like it used to of those bowl games. We have lost the value of those bowl games. Um, Man, I, I could go on, but we're in trouble when it comes to college football right now. With that being said, we got to get out of here. That does it for the Jones Report this week. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Also got a new episode of Let's Go Racing with David Starr coming out tomorrow as well. We will see you then. A reminder, subscribe to the Jones Report. Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review. Also on Facebook at Tyler Jones Live, at TJ Media Group. Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at TJ Media Group. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore report is where you can find me there. We'll see you right back here later in the week. So long, everybody.